Welcome back to the Castaway Consultants Podcast, where the rules are made up and strategy doesn't matter. I'm one of your co-hosts, Josh Wessler. Joining me today are two other very fabulous co-hosts, unlike this episode, Mr. Ryan Stacy. Uh, I am your resident, whose line is it anyway, slash Big Brother superfan, apparently, because I, I, I guess Survivor doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I know everything there is to know about Big, Big Brother and whose line is it anyway, and I, nothing about Survivor. Apparently. Yes. Uh, and I'm also joined today by Derek Kubicek. And yeah, I don't know anything about comedy, so I, I missed the joke in this episode as well. So uh, <laughs> I, I did. we did learn one thing, though. We learned uh, Jeff's favorite musical artist of all time must be Cher, because if you could turn back time, boo. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm not actually that excited. So this episode sucked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I usually open up by saying, guys, what'd you think? This is not a bottom tier episode of the Survivor, but it's second from the bottom tier episode of the Survivor. Like, there's nothing dark and ugly side of humanity in the episode, but dark and ugly side of BS twists. Uh, this is garbage. I hate 90% of this episode. There's a little bit I liked, and we'll talk about that. But this was, boy, this sucked. Uh, I, I felt nothing but annoyance for the most part. See, and I'm, I'm kind of the opposite where I feel like I enjoyed like 90% of this episode. It's just the 10% that I didn't enjoy killed the rest. Sure. Way killed the rest, and it's not even close. Uh, but I actually liked a majority of this episode. It's hard for me to really put into words, because, I mean, you guys watched this yesterday. I watched it today, obviously. I had my third and final, like, birthing class with my wife, and I'm still trying to formulate my thoughts, because just two episodes ago, we talked about how excited we were about how there were no advantages, no weird idle talk, no complete nonsense, frippery, fluff, all of that. And then now we're here where apparently the merge is no longer the merge and nothing is as it seems. Like, this isn't this isn't a magic act. This isn't Mario Party. This isn't a dice roll. It's not Go Fish. And yet we've seen really strange elements of all of these things rolled into the last two episodes. So I think... I didn't enjoy this episode because it built off of an episode that I was also not too excited about after the knowledge is power advantage from the previous week. I want to say, firstly, to the cast, I'm, I'm enjoying the cast for the most part. No one's overly boring. Everyone's getting a fair amount of screen time except for Heather. <laughs> Probably the most interesting one out there knowing how this edit seems to be going, but... I just wish that we didn't have to do this, and I feel badly for the cast. I feel like this is the most convoluted game of Survivor in its 41 seasons. I haven't seen the international version, but I imagine that they're not this bad, and I, I feel badly for them. I, I wish that they had a better, more complete Survivor experience, because this is not the game I recognize. I wish they had a better host and producer. I think what annoyed me the most about this episode is at the Immunity Challenge, or whatever challenge that was, Merge Challenge, Jeff Probst go, you know, he's explaining crazy stuff's about to happen, he's like, this one may ruffle some feathers. Yeah, it effing did, Jeff. And uh, that's not a good thing. You know, disdain for your fan base is generally bad. You know, I, I know the very first episode, Jeff's like, oh, tweet at me and I'll probably not read it. Maybe you should effing read some tweets, Jeff. People, from what I've seen, I mean, there are people who are fine with this stuff, but there's a lot of people, including longtime fans and writers on uh, for about the show, like Gordon Holmes and people like that, who aren't happy. I feel like you should try and keep those people happy. Also, the person who loves Survivor more than anything else in this world, which is me, the number one Survivor fan in the world, is unhappy. You should keep me happy. All of this should cater to me. 
<laughs> so Jeff, you ruffled my feathers. I'm not happy. I hope you get fired. You know, I'm I'm not sure where that turned into like quasi satire for a moment, but I no satire. I, I have to. Well, I mean, the part where it's like everything should cater to me. I understand that we have a new generation, and that generation has a shorter attention span, and they like big flashy things. But there still needs to be a corner of the world where maybe that's not so pertinent and that those are the people who are applying for the survivor those are people who want to play survivor those are people who are still watching survivor after 41 seasons there's a reason that the show has had legs and i feel like that foundation is getting kicked out from underneath it a little bit so i'm i'm the sheer number of new twists and turns that they're trying to jam pack into this 26 day season i don't know if they feel rushed i don't know what's going on but i I hope we can see a return to form in season 43 or 44, whichever one is next to be filmed, because I imagine 42 is going to be more of the same. Yeah, knowing Star Trek, they're going to do all the exact same twists, but dial them up to 11 even more, probably. In, in 42. Don't even yeah. know how that would be possible. Yeah, right, but that's probably what's going <laughs> to happen. I've been proved wrong in the past. Let's jump into this episode, and let's make this one quick, because I don't want to talk about this episode, because I disliked it so much. So we go to the Ua tribe, and Ricard and Shan are still pissed at each other. I will admit, this was fun. This, this this was one of the best parts of the episode, yeah. just because I'm so intrigued by this dynamic. This is really interesting. There's another pair of survivors who are in a similar situation. I cannot name names because Derek has not seen this season. Ah. But the dynamic is exactly the opposite. Those two got along. These two don't seem to get along that well. So it's super interesting. Anyway, Ricard's pissed at Shan for the, asking for the extra vote back at all, especially the way she did. Uh, Shan's pissed at Ricard for keeping it. They fight. It goes into the next day. It's all ugly, ugly, ugly. Ricard finally gives it back, though. Um, and Shan promises the next thing they find he can have. And he's like, oh, thanks for your permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think this, this kind of just piggybacks onto what we have recently been talking about with Shan, where... She's been so, so, so good with the the social side of the game, but everything, it feels like, needs to go her way. All of the, like we said, advantages need to go her way. Be in her possession. She needs to play JD and then play Jeannie and then have the upper hand, at least, on Ricard going forward. When it doesn't need to be that way, you need to be a team going into a potential merge situation. But at the same time, Ricard said he would give it back. He went back on his word. That's not great. Or he tried to go back on his word. I guess he eventually handed it over. That's not great. I, You know, Shan didn't handle this well, but I, I am going to put more of the fault on Ricard. I, I am just the opposite. But, you know, Ryan, people can go back and listen to the last yeah. episode. And we we hashed it out there. I, I ended up feeling more validated because from Ricard's point of view... Why would you want to give it back? Especially because she was like, you need to give me your insurance policy. It's like, excuse me, you could just as easily vote me out like you did JD. And yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. They stuck together. Awesome. And now he's like, okay, so yeah, you're still going to treat me like this? I can't believe you had the audacity, the unmitigated gall to do this the first time. I wouldn't have given it back because I still think that at the end of this, Shan's saying, I don't know if I can trust Ricard. Well, now he gave the advantage back. And she feels like she can't fully trust him and might be willing to vote him out. So it is a double loss for Ricard. Maybe this could have been avoided if everyone, all parties, had done it differently. I want to take one second to try and check myself a little bit. So some listeners out there might be thinking, well, you know, if Shan were male, would you be talking differently about her gameplay at this point? Maybe I would be. I would like to think that I'm, I'm checking my bias here a little bit. 
anyone needs to have a little bit more social grace when you're talking strategically about advantages and ownership and moving forward as a very highly strategic duo. They seem to be very dysfunctional, and I don't think that that is a duo that can go far in the game and be reliable. And that's where my criticism of Shan is coming. It's like, okay, well, if Ricard's your closest, maybe you should have not treated him so badly. And Ricard, if Shan is your closest, maybe you should have anticipated that and been more amenable at the time. So I'm trying to check myself. I I see a lot of hype out there for Shan. I get it. I agree with it. Yeah, and I guess just to... To clarify, I do think that uh, I, I don't want to put all the hate on uh, Shan just because last episode I did say that Ricard should give it back first thing when they get back. Yep. So, like, I'm not saying that he shouldn't give it up and Shan's in the wrong. I think that they both just handled the situation very poorly and he should still give it back to her. They handled the situation poorly. All of this could have been avoided if Ricard had just given it back like he should have. Uh, this is the worst of both worlds. So we get to the challenge. It's kind of merge. Better yet, it's a twist. Okay, to be fair, I liked a good chunk of what is about to happen here. There's a part of this I really liked. I thought it was a good twist. So, <laughs> they have to earn their way into the merge. Didn't they already do it by being the final 12? Uh, whatever. So, what's going to happen is they're randomly going to get uh, put into two teams of five. And then two people are going to have to set out of the challenge. Uh, so, two teams of five. The winning team, they're going to get a, they're, the merge feast... They're going to get immunity, group immunity, but they're still going to go to tribal council. So, so this is really cool. So the five people who win immunity, they, they're safe. They still get to go to tribal council. They still get to be part of the vote, but they're all safe. And then later on, we're going to have another individual immunity challenge for everyone who's not immune. This is pretty cool. I like this for like a merge episode, just like two rounds of immunity. I've seen other reality shows do something similar to this. I like this. I'm totally on board with this. This is a cool twist. Yeah, and, and this was the part that I was talking about that I actually really enjoyed. All you would have to do to make this better is to just have it be two teams of six. Like, don't don't exclude two people because then they can't put their fate in their own hands. And, well, and when they're trying to, quote-unquote, earn their way into the merge... They're, they're not. They have no choice here. To be fair, the two people who are set out, they'll still get to compete in the individual immunity challenge. It's so true. That didn't really bother me because they, there still is another challenge. So I'm fine with that. But what ends up happening is the two people who have to sit out are Nasir and Erica. And the blue team, which is Danny, Ricard, Deshaun, Evie, and Sydney, they win. So Basically they- the best of Luvu. <laughs> Yeah, it was an unbalanced draw, but that's how random goes this time. You know, that's fine. It happens. And they have to make a decision. They get to bring one person with them, either Nasir or Erica. That person will also get the feast and be immune. Deshaun and Danny are going to pretend that they played rock, paper, scissors to make the decision, but they didn't. It was actually, they're like, yeah, it's Nasir, because they want to protect the men, because there's only five men left in the game. Yeah, which... Is the right move. I don't. I don't know if it's the right execution of it. I thought it was fine uh, when it first came up. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Like fake play rock paper scissors. Like you left it up to chance, even though you probably didn't. And then they kept the right person. In in my opinion, I thought it was very well done on their part. Like probably about as good as you could do in the situation. I really was a fan of this move all from Danny and Deshaun. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of trying to stick to original tribes because that's that's a tried and true strategy throughout Survivor if you can pull it off. And if they were going for that, then you should bring Erica because you know Nasir can survive on his own and you can bring him back in the fold. Um, And also, in hindsight, that would have, in a way, kind of protected them a little bit better, but they'd never know that. But given their goal of trying to keep more men around and what they knew at the time, given their information, and also they were willing to throw challenges to get rid of Erica, this was kind of like the survivor gods presenting them an opportunity to, oh, hey, we're all going to merge except for Erica. She gets 
two days alone in isolation and she'll be an easy vote out because she just have will not have connections. So given their goals, I like the play, but I want to say that they, they took a path I would not take. Sure. So Erica has to go to Exile Island for two days. Uh, she's on her own completely. She also suspects the Rock, Paper, Scissors game was not true, and she's kind of suspected she's on the bottom. She has been for a while. Yeah, that's true, Erica. Good job. And she, she kind of did it to herself, kind of, but, I mean, once Danny and Deshaun kind of got it into their heads that, like, hey, we need to keep men around, that was going to push her to the bottom anyway. Maybe Heather, we don't really know a ton about her, though. Yeah, who knows? At the merge feast, Danny reveals that he wants to protect the men out loud to everyone. Uh, yeah. There are women here. That's not great, but he does just say, I think Erica should go next. Bro, you have six people in a tribe of 12. This Completely is mixed, perfect. Too. Like all, all three. All, all three tribes are represented here. <laughs> yep. Luvu should not be turning on their own. All you have to do, and uh, yeah, it's not going to last a long, but you start things off, you get rid of one of the other six from the two other tribes, and then pick off a couple more of them, and then you consider turning on your own. You have it made, but this is what happens when you have a tribe that hasn't gone into tribal council before. They're not ready for the merge. It's like of their six remaining, they know who they would call from that six. And since they haven't had a chance to do that, they're not, I guess, coming with their ideal set of people, even though you'd think, ideally, it would be not going to tribal. Yeah, and I I actually like the move for to, to go for Erica here just because... She was previously gunning for you guys uh, earlier in the game, or, or one of the people in your core alliance. So I'm fine cutting one from your tribe as long as you can still see having other alliance members from other tribes and know that all of them aren't going to uh, gang up against you. Here's the thing, though. Since we haven't done, uh, you know, we, we didn't do a swap this season for the first time in a long time. There's still a lot of intermingling, There's though. still a good amount of intermingling, which is good. But the fact that there was no swap, it's just like... People in original tribes tend to stick together. I, I, I have something I want to talk about. Um, we'll, we'll get to this in a second. But people who are alike uh, in one way or another tend to stick together, and that can be original tribes. By getting rid of the one person, say they get rid of Erica next, they're down to five. Guess what? Six versus five. The others could easily pick yep. you off. And so. then if we're following kind of Danny and Deshaun's line of thinking here, they would need to hit on, like, two-for-two two men who are remaining that weren't in Luvu. They would need to get, like, Ricard and Xander to come with them to have any more pull in trying to keep the numbers even on a tribe basis and a sex basis. So it, it's a little too risky. That's why I like the original tribe move. But I can see where they're going with this. Maybe they know something we don't. They understand the dynamic better than me. We only have our edit. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, terrible move to bring it up at the feast. Yes, <laughs> terrible. Either, either, I am not defending that. E either way, Danny said the quiet part out loud. Yes. <laughs> so, everyone who didn't go to exile or the feast, they go back to camp, and they're all together now. Shan asked Liana if she ended up getting the advantage right in front of <sighs> Tiffany. Shan, why? Why would you do wow. that? Why would you put your ally, the person you want to work with, on the spot like that? It, it, it doesn't blow up for Shan, but if I'm Liana, I'm like... I can't trust Shan anymore. A hundred percent. And this is what Shan has been doing all game. And I think she does it because she wants to put, like, you know, build a bridge with Tiffany a little bit, but also at the same time put Liana on her back foot because now who's in, like, that alpha position? It's the person who brought it up who's like, oh, look, I'm going to stick my neck out for you. And then all of a sudden Liana's like, okay, well, thank you for bringing me into this 
alliance without telling me shades of parvati and amanda back in micronesia which is coming to netflix soon by the way uh, random aside but <laughs> uh don't watch that one until you've seen every season before it agreed so liana is kind of forced to tell both shan and tiffany what the advantage is so she does they're all like okay cool we'll, we'll use it and maybe we'll take xander out because that's what liana wants tiffany's like i don't trust liana anymore and i'm just like Poor Liana, you did everything right here, and your game just got blown up by Shan. I feel bad. This turned out very poorly for Liana by almost nothing of her doing, yep. other than aligning with Shan on Mystery Adventure Island. Which was the right move. If Which, you get sent to Adventure Island, you just make alliance with who's ever there. That's like, if, if she hadn't done that, we'd be criticizing her so much. She made the right move, and everything has gone completely wrong, and that <laughs> sucks. Yes. But, you know, you know, all you can do is make the right move with the information you have. And I, I want to stress that that is the whole point of this podcast. And uh, same thing with, uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug the How to Strive a Horror Movie podcast, which oh, nice. is the other podcast I do with, and Derek and Josh are both freaking guests on. So if you like horror movies, it is spooky season. Go ahead and check that one. It's the How to Strive a Horror Movie podcast, where we teach you how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. You know, one thing from this whole Liana Shan tiffany interaction that i wanted to point out because the edit has been like i don't want to say doing tiffany dirty because like she's doing the things that she's doing she's she's earning this kind of paranoid erratic reputation but liana says she's very charismatic people like to be around her people like to talk to her is there something that the edit is not showing us with tiffany where she is very well liked i feel a little deceived based on that confessional what i've heard too apparently her and voce were like best of friends out there and they just both kind of turned on each other out of necessity. But yeah, apparently Tiffany's much more well-liked than the edit is giving us. So yeah. I want to I wanna give a shout-out to Tiffany that in my overreactions, I often do you dirty based on the edit. But this is based on an edit. I'm sure you are a lovely person. Yep. 1% of 1% <laughs> but, is what we see. But just know we're trying to read between the lines here a little bit. So uh, here you get some props. <laughs> So all the winners come back to camp. Nasir and Xander kind of talk about, like, protecting the strong, and they agree to work together. They have this conversation in the middle of a crowd. Yeah, that was surprising. But did anybody hear it? I don't think so. They they did not make it obvious. Hiding in plain sight. There's enough hullabaloo to where, like, they they can very easily just have a nice, quiet conversation in the middle of everyone. So Luvu has pitches to everyone, like, hey, let's get rid of Erica. And everybody else is like... Dope, because this is perfect. <laughs> nobody Way has, <laughs> nobody uh, from Ua or uh, uh, Yase have met Erica, because uh, what I always say at the merge, just get through it. But ideally, you want to get rid of someone you have no relationship, you've never played with. Erica is perfect for everyone on Yase and Ua. Perfect. Yeah, because she hasn't gone to any spooky adventure island or done any commingling of tribes. None of that. Yep. Now. Luvu should not be doing this. They should get rid of one of the people they've never met. Like, uh, Liana would be good, or uh, Ricard would be good. No, Evie would be good. Shan, no, um, Deshaun and, and Evie have met. That's Okay, yep, you're right, you're right. So the people none of them ever met are Liana, Shan, and Ricard. Those three would all be, like, yeah. ideal for Luvu, but whatever. And Ricard's immune right now. Ricard is immune right now. For now. Yeah. Then we have Shan, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun. They all talk about forming a, a black alliance. They called it a person to color alliance, but that's not accurate, and that was a little bit annoying. Like, there's other races that aren't white. You know, there's the Nasir and, uh, you know. And Erica. And Erica. So it's not really a person of color line. It's, it's a black alliance, but that's fine. Very cookout alliance from the most recent season of Big Brother. The same mm-hmm. exact thing happened. So this is what I want to talk about, because this is getting a lot of flack on, uh, you know, the Facebook. Don't ever go to the Survivor Facebook page. It's ugly, ugly, ugly. Never. Uh, I just went for the first time this week, and boy, oh boy, was was that a trip. So don't go there. What's that shadowy place? 
It's a Facebook comment section. You, <laughs> you must never, never go there. You must never go there, Simba. Okay. So what I want to talk about is in Survivor, we talked about this during the Cook Islands podcast, yep. which was divided by race. A lot of the times on Survivor, people who are alike for whatever reason, that can be race, that can be religion, that can be gender, that can be sexual orientation, people who are alike and find each other are going to stick together a lot of the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. It's just an easy alliance to make. And now that we're in a, a more diverse era of Survivor where there's more than two black people per season, yeah, <laughs> you know, that can happen. And I don't want to say whether it's right or wrong. You know, I don't know if there's ever been a, a white alliance on Survivor. I mean, there kind of wasn't Cook Islands. Yeah, again, by construction. Yeah, you know, and that's and a little different because that was a starting tribe and, you know, generally stick with your starting tribe. So, it's, and, you know, when men versus women seasons again, it's a little different because that is your starting tribe. But so I, we've never been presented with a group of white people teaming up to take out the <laughs> nine week. Not intentionally, but just because of a lack of diversity. Yes. There have been just all white alliances. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I'm getting to. So technically, we haven't seen that. It definitely could have happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It definitely could have happened. And it definitely could have happened by accident. Uh, just because, like, oh, yeah, I'll stick with him. Oh, yeah, we'll all stick together. We're all like, oh, no, we're all white. Well, and, you, and could, you could also go back to Marquesas, and people were saying, like, oh, yeah, Vesepia and Sean, they absolutely have an alliance. And they're saying, no, we don't have an alliance. I mean, you know, we're working together. It's a convenience thing now again there might have been something there there may not have been but like ryan said we're in a more diverse era of survivor now so the fact that there might be a black alliance and there and the fact that there might be out loud a white alliance in survivor as long as you have this diverse setting at the start of the season these are things that can happen and the players and especially the audience needs to be okay if that's how something plays out so I don't love this because I don't find it as interesting. I, I like it a lot more when people from different backgrounds make alliance. I think that's more JT and Steven, for example. You know, I always think that's more fun, but that's not what you're supposed to do once or you're supposed to find a way to win. What is the best move for you? So, you know, throwing that aside, totally, totally fine to make any alliance you can think of for any reason. Nothing wrong with that. It's just something you need to keep in mind if you're playing Survivor. And that kind of, I find icky. It's like, huh, there's a group of black people. They're probably all working together. Like, that mentality kind of sucks, but it also is kind of the reality. Oh, look, there's a bunch of Christians. They might have an alliance. There's five queer people on the island. They might have an alliance. Out of just, like, a sense of loyalty to a common, you know, brotherhood or whatever. Uh, for, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, women's alliance we've seen before. Men's alliance less often, but we've seen it. And it's just something to be aware of. And if you can... <laughs> Try and keep the people who are like you in the game, I think, is probably the safe move to make. And that sucks. I don't love it, but it is the right move. So I, I know you said that it, it makes you feel kind of icky. And I touched on this point a little bit. And I knew that this was going to be the big talking point of this episode because who cares about all of these twists and Harry Potter nonsense. Yeah. But I'm actually kind of excited to see where this goes as long as the viewers and the players can mature with this change in the game. Because here's the thing. People of color, black, or any other race or ethnicity or, or culture or whatever, they've been faced with this in a more indirect way every season up through 40. I mean, except arguably for Cook Islands, which was yep. <laughs> probably the worst way to go about that. So as long as we can all evolve together and understand that, yeah, this is something that could happen, and then there will be counters that evolve in response, and there will be checks and there will be balances, it's just a new and interesting fold that... I'm happy to see because it's Survivor, but 
I do understand where at first, and especially in those Facebook comments, people are like, oh, this is super icky. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, it's so awful. I'm like, how about we all just grow up and understand that these are real people playing for a million dollars and they're going to do or say whatever they need to do to get there. So I am good with it. I have made peace with it. And I think that there's actually a lot of entertainment as long as we can all be rational adults. Unfortunately, we can't do that. You're asking way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully the listeners of this podcast, you know, they're they're hearing us, they're hearing me, and they're hearing that I'm I'm excited for the possibilities, not just for people of color, but for how the game can move forward. Yeah, I'm 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 actually super excited about it. Not not just because it's new by any means because we haven't really seen this type of alliance before but more just because it adds another layer there's so many groups and alliances already going that this thing could be dismantled next episode sure totally this could be a one and done that we'd never see again from this group of people and and that's the thing that i find the most exciting is that it's just an actual layer on the game sure yeah for the players i mean everyone who was sitting there on the beach one of them or two of them maybe being lied to you know, yeah. maybe Luvu has no intention to go with Shan or Liana. It's hard to say. So last thing uh, for this episode, the worst part of this episode, Jeff visits Erica on XL Island, and she is given a time turner uh, from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkans, which is a <laughs> giant hourglass. She's got to go rescue a hippogriff named Buckbeak and a serial killer allegedly named Sirius Black. That's Jeff's mission that he assigns her. In all seriousness, uh, it, it does turn back time. She can reverse the outcome of the the challenge. There's, you know, the, the team that all want immunity. She can undo that and give the other people who want. So that would be Xander, Liana, Shan, Tiffany, and Heather. She can give them immunity instead. Take it away from the other six. And this is the worst thing. Yeah. The, just for clarification, if she smashes the hourglass, is she immune? I hope not. And if she doesn't, is she immune? I don't think that was very clear. They didn't make that clear if she, because, you know, if if it's the exact opposite of what happened, then that would mean she gets immunity too. But I would much rather have it be where it's like, you still aren't immune, but those five people are rather than those six. I'd much rather see that. Yeah. But this Uh, sucks. Yeah. The worst part about this, forget the whole turning back time and everything like that. The worst part about it is it basically made a majority of the episode that we just watched obsolete. Yeah. It, it basically wasted our time. The challenge does. If, if she does smash it, the challenge doesn't matter. A lot of the strategy talk that we just heard doesn't matter. There's so many things wrong with this, but it, it's just one too many things. Like we, which we, we've done. We've we, said so many times. We, this season. We've said so many times, and we 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 talked about how good and how interesting at least this this merge twist is yep but they felt the need to add something on top of it just because it i don't know it wasn't enough i i, I don't i don't know who, i don't know who approved this but this is not survivor yeah jeff i don't get how you can be on this show for 41 seasons and not understand your own game you don't understand it you don't know what you're doing you're bad at your job you should be fired jeff probst you are the worst thing to happen to survivor I, I, he's not the worst thing to happen he's the to the worst thing to happen to survive but he i i think that his his role should be diminished at this point i still like him as a host get off my show <laughs> we kind of glazed over this earlier with me if erica would have been voted out as a result of being gone for two days i would go ahead and put down that erica is one of the most screwed survivor players of all time because at merge she got banished for two days so i would say if this twist does not grant her immunity 
I would say that she would be one of the most screwed survivors all, of all time. This gives her, if she gets immunity, a chance to come back into the fold, a chance to make it through one vote, in which case she should absolutely break the hourglass. And I would prefer to see it that way because then at least everybody else would have had time to talk and work their way through whatever nonsense happens next. You're forgetting there's also the individual immunity challenge. So it's not like there's no chance. There's still a challenge. I, I know that there's still a challenge, but... Everyone else got either rice or a feast, and she does not get to talk to anyone, and she gets no food for two days. Uh, she got like, rice. yeah, she got like a mini bag of rice. Was it was it mini bag of rice or was it like water? I don't. There remember. was rice. There's both. Yeah. So either way, I would say that she would be one of the most screwed of all time. So I will be disappointed if she still has to compete because then what's the point? All you're doing is making people angry and very yeah. likely so not saving. Talk yourself. about this twist. I think 95% of the time, let's say uh, you should probably shouldn't break the hourglass because you're pissing six people off, like, royally. Now, Erica's in an interesting position where she's on the bottom of her original six, and she's the target to go home. Does she really realize she's at the bottom of that six? It's unclear. It's hard to say. Maybe, maybe not. If she does realize it, she should probably smash it just to try and mix things up. But if not, then probably not. Knowing everything we know... The omnipotent people that we are at this point, she should break the hourglass. But with the information she has, it's a little less clear. Yeah, and and if she doesn't get immunity from breaking the the hourglass, then that's where it gets a little bit more murky. Because we, we saw, and I don't know if she was told this, but we saw in the preview for the next episode that she has to explain this entire twist. So are you then pissing off the other six people that you did not just save? You could probably talk your way out of that by just being like, hey, I respect the game, and I didn't, and I thought that this was a really crappy twist, so I, I didn't break the hourglass. I would love that. I would love that so much. I want to get on Survivor just to, like, crap on all the terrible twists. Like, I want to get voted out, send to Edge of Extinction, come back into the game, make it to the end, and be like, don't vote for me, I don't deserve it. Edge of Extinction's a stupid twist, and then say nothing else, so they have to put it in the episode. <laughs> so, I'll talk about this very briefly. I think, I love your point about if, you know, if she is aware that she's on the bottom, I'm actually going to say if she's aware she's on the bottom... She should break it 100% of the time. And even if she thinks that she might be on the bottom, I'm going to say maybe 50-50 on breaking it. Because remember, they could have saved her, and they as a collective five chose Nasir for whatever reason. So if she's presented with an opportunity to give them the short straw, they cannot rationally be upset. And I know, like, yeah, they're going to be mad, but you will have pleased many other people. So if you think you're on the bottom... Smash it. If you know you're on the bottom, smash it. If you think you're in a good spot, don't smash it. So maybe that's a 66-33 for me. And try not to bring it up at the immunity challenge. Maybe ask Jeff, like, hey, are you going to like ask me? Do I have to tell people about this if I don't do it? You know, Yeah, try to get information out of Jeff. Yeah, try and poke production information. Always ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like, especially once the game is going, what are they going to do? Kick you off the show for asking questions? No, they just won't put it in the episode. Or, and they, they'll just say no. I'm or not they'll just talk. say, I can't tell you. They're, they'll say, no, uh, I'm not going to bleeping tell you that because Jeff apparently swears a lot out there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Stuff like um, that. If if I could complain about one more thing. Oh, please complain as much as you want about this. I, I think the one of the things that irked me the most about this entire situation when Jeff pulled up on his on his nice little boat and starts talking to Erica, he eloquently talks through this entire situation and, and how it all works to her, and that's all fine and dandy. But he went back on one of the things that he's usually really good at, and that's being able to be mysterious at like tribal and ask the correct questions without giving away information. What he did here is he put what he wanted to happen 
into Erica's head with the words that he used. Because he used words like, do you want to make history? And do you want to make a change in this game? Make a big move in this game? Like, words like that. Yeah. I don't know if she's actually going to do it, but that is implicating the game based on the way that you explain it to her, and that really bugged me. Production's putting too much of themselves into the game, especially Jeff, and they need to stop. Explain the twist and let people make their decision. Yep. I don't I don't like the twist, but let them make their own decision on it. Uh, I know Jeff, you're not listening to this, but by some chance anyone on Survivor is listening to this, this is terrible. Stop it. Do what you can to make it stop. So this is normally where we talk about best and worst player of the episode. We're not going to do that because we're not finished with the round of play because we didn't vote anybody out. Wow. That's what I love to see in Survivor is an episode where we don't vote anyone <laughs> out. That's exactly what I'm here for. If you're going to do this, make it a two-hour yeah, episode. Yeah, make it a two-hour episode. I, no I know scheduling is very difficult, like with broadcast schedule, like schedules and all that. Push back Tough as Nails an hour. No one cares <laughs> about Tough as Nails. This is stupid, uh, and this is bad. So we're not going to do that. The only thing we're going to do is real quickly, who is going next? Who do you think is going after all of this madness? So I, I'll go first. I think that Erica would be pretty stupid not to break the hourglass, and then Ricard goes home. Okay. That's my prediction. I also think she breaks the hourglass. Man, that's tough. I think we got enough editing clues in this episode that Nasir goes home. He gets his idol taken away. Glass gets broken. He's no longer safe. And he goes home. I 100% agree with Josh. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be super sad. It's going to be super sad. All of the, these horrible twists take on my favorite player of the season this year. And I'm going to be so angry in the next episode. This is garbage. Anything else? I want to wrap this up. I don't want to talk anymore. Well, I mean, we learned that Liana's from Chicago. She should maybe recognize Danny as an NFL player. That's all I got. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just one small I have no idea what team he played on. Oh, uh, the Bears. Oh, There's well, there you a go. billion Vikings players I wouldn't recognize. Well, I understand, but like Danny was recently on the Bears, I believe. So There's I a billion know. recent Vikings players I wouldn't recognize. Are they Kirk Cousins? <laughs> then I don't know them. Sure. <laughs> well, fine. Maybe it would be fun if Liana could recognize yeah. Danny from the Bears, given that she's from Chicago. But well, that's... There's like three people from Chicago on this season, so I bet you they tried to do it. Uh, Xander and Boche are both from Chicago. Oh, well. they tried to uh, uh, Danny. Danny Boatwright and Gary Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> tried, tried, tried to Danny Boatwright, Gary Hawkins, correct. <laughs> yes, I know it's Gary Hogaboom, but you know, it's, it's a joke. Yeah. All anyway, right, you can follow us on Twitter at CastawayPod. You can give us five-star reviews. We definitely deserve it for sitting through this episode. You know what? You deserve a five-star review, too. I don't know how we do that for our listeners, but if we could give you a five-star re- review for listening to us, we would. If you send us a shout-out on Twitter, we will reply with five-star emojis. With five-star <laughs> emojis. So thank you. So on that note, uh, this episode sucked. This has been the Castaway Consultants. <laughs> I'm glad we have nothing else for you. Good night.